City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City, it's your man Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Welcome to the latest episode of the All Hornets Podcast Network. We are the Hornets Draft Show, and we're coming up with you today looking at some draft prop bets, which has just been released recently, and also looking at mining chases power forward rankings. Um, we will already release our guards, wings, and bigs uh, podcast. So hopefully you'll have listened to them already. Uh, but yeah, forwards will be an interesting one today. Definitely some players in the Hornets draft range we'll be talking about. And very excitingly, and what we're going to start the show with are Hornets draft prop bets, which is something me and Chase like to talk about every single year. And not all of them are out yet, but just within the last 48 hours, you start to see some of the first ones and it's important we talk about them now because the closer you get to the draft the worse the odds get and you lose all the value so the sooner you can get your bets on there's more risk because there's less intel but your your gains are probably going to be bigger so uh chase you looking forward to getting into some some draft prop bets today i am very much looking forward to it this is one of my favorite things that we talk about every year during the draft uh it's so fun to just kind of you get to play the uh, play basketball god almost and be like, O'Shea Abaji is going to go here with my $20 and then I'm going to double my money and I'm going to be a rich man because I know exactly where everybody's going to get drafted. So it's definitely a fun exercise, even if uh, it doesn't always work out. But and the I, ones I, that we pick today, we think are going to work out. I know you've got, in the UK, you can like gamble on freaking anything. Like, so we have no restrictions. I know, I know you will have some restrictions. Were you able to bet on last year's draft? I know we talked about odds and stuff, but with the restrictions that you are under, was that something you were able to do? So I can't where I live in Maine right now, but actually on July 31st, I believe it is, uh, sports betting like is legalized in the state oh. of Maine because it's, it goes by state now, uh, after the U S uh, like the Supreme Court made that ruling that sports gambling like doesn't apply or, or is no longer. So 2023 draft, you're going to be able to gamble oh, yeah. freely. Yes, that will like that will be the one where it's like because anybody in America that I mean, if you live in a state where sports gambling is legal, obviously you can do it easily yeah. like you can in the UK. But if you don't live somewhere where it's legal, you can do like the whole offshore accounts and all that stuff. But that's way too difficult to like get your money in and out of. So next year, though, I will be ready to roll but right so the, now it's kind of just uh i'm pretending that i'm putting money on you've had you've these. had like a couple of practice run years now so by 2023 you should be you should be fully in there you should be knowing exactly what you're doing oh yeah i'm um, gonna be like the the rain man of nba draft props uh by next year love I'll it and dealing out winners left and right for m- myself over the last two years both the 21 draft and 22 draft been pretty hugely profitable i think 2021 draft, I made about 300% on what I originally bet. And then last year wasn't quite as good, but I made about 150% on what I bet. So um, this is a good place if you're wanting some draft prop bets. Um, and we're going to touch on that today. And, and Chase, do you want to explain to the people how we're kind of going to look at the draft prop bets today, how we're going to do this process? So each year there are a couple, I would say a couple sets of different types of props that you could make. Uh, one is like first player to be drafted. Like it would be, Chet Holmgren versus Jabari Smith first to be drafted. And then they'd give the odds. Uh, Another one is like a player's draft position, which gives you a number. Uh, For example, Ben Matherin under eight and a half over eight and a half. If you think he's going to be drafted in the top eight, you would pick under, which which can be kind of confusing because normally under makes you think you're rooting for like the less like exciting uh, thing to happen, but getting drafted higher means you're going under 
So, but gotta, gotta keep that in mind. But, um, and then there's that one. And then after that, it's kind of just, uh, like player, each player's get an, gets a specific odd assigned to them to be like a top five or top 10 pick or number one overall pick in the case of, uh, like Chet Paulo and Jabari at the top. And those are just kind of assigned, you know, standard odds given how likely it is for that certain player to end up in the top 10. But we're going to run through a couple of those today. Uh, there are a whole bunch of them that, you, I mean, I, anybody could probably just go look them up and find even more than the ones that we're going to talk about today. But we've got quite a few that we think uh, could make a little bit of money here in a, in a couple of weeks. So 13 yeah. days till, till the NBA draft when we're recording this too. Like that, that is, that's, it's flying by. That's very soon. I want it to. I want it to be tomorrow. But um, I know, me too. How it's going to work is we're going to both give ourselves one hundred imaginary dollars here, and we're going to talk about some prop bets. But um, at the end, we're going to go through, and I think we've picked five prop bets each of how we're going to to divvy up our one hundred dollars. So let's let's jump right into it. Um, I sent you a list of various different prop bets. Um, why don't you pick one that, that really stood out to you, that caught your eye that you first looked at? All right. So I listed them in order of how confident I was in them in my notes mm. for when I was doing the podcast. So I'll start with the one that I really like. And that would be EJ Liddell to be drafted over Nikola Jovic. Uh, the odds will vary, but the odds that uh, James found for this was EJ Liddell is 23 to 20. Jovic is 7 to 10, which I, I realized while we were preparing for this, the odds in the UK must be a little different because uh, yes, I was... <laughs> in America, it's just like plus or minus, you know, a certain number. But I think I um, the, the way it works, uh, I looked it up 23 to 20 is plus 170. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So what it essentially means is if you bet $20, you win 23. If you bet EJ Liddell, if you bet $10, Nikola Jovic, you win seven. So Jovic is the favorite to go higher, and Liddell is slightly more of an underdog. Um, that's a, a layman's terms. But, I mean, most of these, because they're like over-unders on either or, it's normally close to like somewhere between like two to one or like one and a half to, to one. Is that like Because it's one or the other. So you're never going to get like really good long-shot odds in this. It's always going to be pretty short odds. But that's why you need to hit three, four, five in a row to make sure you get your money back. So I, but I, I like the uh, EJ Liddell one because so, he seems, mm. yeah, he, he seems to have gotten more like recognition, I would say as like a first round prospect. And Jovic is somebody that I feel like has a very wide draft range uh, from what we've been heard so far uh, in the NBA drafts rumor cycle. And I also just think EJ Liddell has a much quicker route to being a productive player, which in the mid to late first round can probably boost you up a little bit more than Jovic, who's somebody who struggles athletically, still needs a little bit of development. Perhaps he might not even play in the NBA next year. Like there is a chance that he stays in Europe for another year. So uh, I, I like the uh, EJ Liddell to be drafted over Nikola Jovic uh, as my most confident draft prop mm. for this year. So I have that as well as one of my options. However, okay. Chase, before this podcast, I floated a few of my selections up to some to some sources in the draft world. And I'm going to read you quote for quote the message that I got back, Ooh, which is, I put a mighty dollar on Jovic going to Houston at 17. Then, then, then he put, I've heard really good things about that link. Sorry, man. So... Mm. And Houston took Shengun last year. They traded up to get Shengun, another international player. Right. So obviously, kind of have, have got have gone to that international market before. And if if you're having Jovic go 17, that essentially means that you think Liddell is getting drafted like 16 by the Hawks, or he's getting drafted by the Hornets or the Cavs beforehand. Which uh, the Hornets is a maybe. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, the Cavs feels probably unlikely. Um, so. I was completely on board with you here as well. Hmm. I was like, he's like the, before this, I'd also heard Jovic, um, like he was not doing great in, in some of the interviews with NBA teams. Like, wasn't that likable character? Um, not about basketball IQ, but just like about drive, determination, etc. I'd also heard that his interviews were really poor. So that's why I was like, oh, I, I like Liddell because everyone raves about that kid. But now I've got this, and now I don't know what to do because this guy is, is like. He's a legitimate draft source. Like he is not just a 
guy who writes about the NBA draft on the internet. He is he is clued in. So I I have that written down, and now I'm not sure. But I actually still think because with Liddell, you're betting the underdog. You're getting you know you're getting better odds than if you're betting Jovic. So I didn't think I would bet Jovic on that information, but it might ward me off betting Liddell. But but I I was right there with you. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes me a little bit less confident in my uh, my number one draft prop for this year. I think I I might still bet EJ, but it, you're definitely right that it does. Because Houston could trade me as well, remember. Bit. Yeah, no, exactly. Might not be there and, at 17. And if they're not, then I feel really good about that. Like, if they yeah. trade that pick, trade up, trade back, you know, whatever. Like, they could do a lot with multiple picks in the first round. They've got a lot of options. All right. What was your... Uh, number one draft prop for this year? I think my number one draft prop is Dyson Daniels over six and a half. Um, I I think the top three are the top three. Not worried about that. There's been some buzz about Dyson Daniels going top five, but I just, I can't see him going to Detroit um, because I just think him and Cade, there's not quite enough rim pressure or athleticism there. Uh, like you'd be taking the ball out of Cade's hands a little bit. Um, I think like Ivy is like the perfect fit there or Keegan Murray next to Cade. And I, so I think either of those two makes sense for Detroit. Then I think for the Kings, I just don't see them like after they've traded away Tyrese Halliburton to then draft um, Dyson Daniels, who is another like tall, rangy guard. He, I mean, he is a different player. He's much more defensive orientated and he's more of an off-ball player, probably a little bit more than Halliburton was but they just like drafted guard after guard after guard and they need help desperately at forward. I just, I know you could view him as a small forward, but I, I still think he's more of like a big guard rather than a forward star player. I also think that's just potentially unlikely too. And I also think they could look to trade that pick, the Kings. Um, and if people are trading up, I think it's probably to get Ivy or, or maybe Murray or Shaden Sharp rather than Dyson Daniels. I don't know why. That's just, that's how I feel. It's how I... When I've looked at trades, it's how it feels. So I've gone Dyson Daniels over six and a half. Um, I'm hoping those shooting percentages can scare enough enough of those top six that, that I think he can slide a little bit later into the lottery. It would not surprise me if he went literally you know, seven or eight. So I love Dyson, but I, th- I think that that might be a good one too. That was I, I actually considered putting that one on my list uh, while we were going through this. Uh, even even though I really like Dyson as a prospect, but I, I also can't. I really can't I've got him see. higher than Ivy. Like I, I love yeah. Dyson, but just on what's been reported and the teams that are there, I I can see why top five might be a stretch. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. And it, uh, you like you said, a lot of it is positional too. Like it, it those team or not necessarily positional, but like player type specific. Like they a lot of these teams already have a prospect that is like a bigger guard that can play a little, that can initiate a little bit. And there are certain levels of like upside that somebody like Shaden Sharp might offer that <clears throat> a team is probably going to take a chance on in the top seven or eight somewhere, which in turn is inherently going to bump another player down. Um, I, 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 I think that might actually work out for Dyson because I think probably like the best fit in the whole lottery for him are seven and eight with Portland and um, New Orleans. So, I, I mean, if he went in either one of those picks, then that bet would hit and it would probably work out really well for the player and the team. So, okay. Like that one. Hit me with your next one. All right. My number two is Jalen Williams to be drafted ahead of Marjan Bochamp. And uh, Jalen Williams has four, seven to four odds and Bar- Marjan Bochamp has five to seven odds. Um, so Jalen's like a little bit of a favorite, I believe, if I'm, if I'm reading that correctly, but I think that he is a very, very strong chance to go ahead of Marjan in the draft. Uh, I could, I see Marjan as like a 20 through 30, maybe early second round player. Whereas Jalen Williams is like a late lottery through like early twenties type of player. I feel like their draft range overlaps like very little. And Jalen is, I mean, to me, obviously, he's a much better prospect. I have him ranked a lot higher, but I feel like even to the NBA, he has to be the like higher regarded prospect, and that tends to end up in you being drafted higher. Like, I don't, I can't see him being the guy that like slides down the first round. 
This is the first one that I wrote down. However, in my research, I went to try and check some of the latest mock drafts. And as of today, ESPN and SI, Jeremy Wu, who came on the podcast, if you've not listened to it, make sure you go back. Um, they're both like the most recent, up-to-date, well-sourced mocks, I'd say. Um, Bleach Report, The Athletic, The Ringer, they've not been updated now in like some time, like over three weeks. And to me, like three weeks ago, I'm not buying into to much of kind of the leaks getting out there from teams. Do you know where ESPN has Jalen Williams ranked, Chase? It's really, it's pretty low, right? 41. Yeah, I was going to say, they've been really low on him throughout like the whole uh, like, draft process, I think. It's biz- And this isn't a big board. Like, this isn't how they rank him. This is a mock draft. This is what they think he will go. They have him at 31. Uh, Jeremy Wu is high. He is him at 18. And then he has Bochamp going 24, which is more like in line with how I view things. Uh, but generally, ESPN are the most well-sourced with this. And, like, for them to have Jalen Williams so low, I, I don't even know. Like, I, the, the hype train got really big around the combine. Um, but maybe he's, maybe he's not risen as much as people thought because he was kind of in that, like, early second round, late first round range before the combine. Maybe that's, maybe that's the same now. So this was the first one I had written down, but then I just went and, like, Generally, with these prop bets, I like to try and like have my own thinking and gut feel confirmed with mock drafts. And I went and looked at the mock drafts here, and it just wasn't really there. Like it didn't it didn't fill me with a huge amount of assurance. So uh, I, I think it should happen. If I had to like pick one or the other, I would agree. But I didn't have it in my top five for that reason. So I definitely get that, but. I mean, I, and I do, I all, I understand your point about like going off the rankings and kind of seeing, piecing it together and going from there. But I don't know. I just, I, I can't imagine that like Jalen or Jalen Williams going 41 would surprise me more than Jalen Williams going like 10 or something like that. Like he, he's been working out for a bunch of teams in like the lottery, uh, like late teens, early twenties range. Uh, he's been even, even before he blew up at the combine, he's been like a, pretty yeah. solid first round prospect. So, I mean, I, I definitely get where you're coming from, but I just can't see. Cause like my, they're, they're good at some similar things. They're built in like, they play the same position. They're fairly similar size, but Jalen Williams just has so much more like upside as a, as an on ball player. And Bosham really, was way I, older. I can't, but Bosham yeah. like 22 and a half. I think Jalen Williams is, I want to say he's like 20, 21. I think he's yeah 21 and some months or something like that. But um, I just, I just think that Williams offers so much more upside than Marjan does. Even though I think Marjan is like a, a pretty decent prospect as well, but I, I, I can't. Even if it's like they get drafted closely, like I just cannot see it being Marjan first over Jalen Williams. Uh, sorry, just let me clarify that. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp is only twenty and a half actually, and Jalen Williams is twenty-one. So I actually got that the wrong way around. My bad. Um, glad I checked now. So Beauchamp is actually the younger prospect. Um, yeah. Okay. Next up for me, I'm going for Johnny Davis to be drafted before AJ Griffin. And I really like this one because irrelevant of what you think about the players, there is rumors AJ Griffin has some serious injury issues and could potentially have some injury flags which you don't normally hear about that kind of stuff until really in like the three days before the draft. It doesn't come out publicly, but we've all seen people, whether it's Michael Porter Jr., Joel Embiid, if really bad medical information comes out, like you can slide in the draft and draft. Like Robert Williams was another one. Uh, Jared Sullinger, another one. Like it can happen. Um, I, I'm not saying it's likely, but that's like a, that's always like a bonus safety net. Like if that happens, it's a guarantee. On top of that, I just think Johnny Davis is was a much more productive player. I think you've got a lot less questions about him. You know he's going to be effective. AJ Griffin, you're like, well, if he doesn't shoot as well and if he doesn't improve in defense, like what does he do actually? Um, and Davis was in like a really tough situation in Wisconsin, surrounded by terrible teammates. AJ Griffin was in a great situation where he had loads of space and um, surrounded by Paolo and Mark Williams and Wendell Moore Jr. as well. So... And generally, like mock drafts, a lot of mock drafts seem to have Davis going like top 10, and AJ Griffin is kind of 
sometimes leaking out into like the 12, 13 range. So I don't think this is a lock by any means, but Davis is probably a safer pick, maybe not as quite higher upside, but has more, I think, go-to scoring ability than AJ Griffin right now. So my next one that I had written down was actually Johnny Davis's draft position over nine and a half, which not necessarily mm. the direct opposite of the one that you have, but pretty close to being like the inverse pick. It is. I definitely, I, yeah. So I think he not necessarily is like primed for a slide necessarily, but he definitely could be a, you know, he could, he could definitely fall down the draft board if one of these teams in the like five to 12 range picks a center that like likely shouldn't or teams like don't think they are like if if mark williams and jalen duran are both gone by the time the hornets get up and johnny i would be really really surprised if johnny davis isn't available because if matt penny could hear you speak now he'd be very disappointed chase no i i I, hey i'm not saying that i would be upset about it because if johnny davis was available at 13 i think the hornets should like sprint to the podium to get that pick in especially if it means both of the centers are gone already but because i so it's just like it's almost like a numbers crunch. Like, but why do you think of... why do you think it would be Johnny to be well, the odd man out over AJ Griffin? Is my question because I agree with you. The well, numbers. Crunch. I think AJ Griffin is a early. much higher upside player. I think than Johnny Davis is. And if his mm. if his knee situation isn't bad, he's a better shooter than Johnny Davis. He's bigger. He has a, a he's has potential to be a better defender. Uh, Johnny Davis really kind of just has like the the bit of like playmaking juice over AJ Griffin, but I think AJ is a, a much higher upside player if his, his like medical stuff all comes back clean. Um, and it's also like there there's just like too many players in that area for someone not to like fall quote uh, quote unquote. But I don't think it's gonna be Ben Matherin. I don't think it's gonna be Dyson Daniels. I don't think it'll be Keegan Murray or Jeremy Sohan that kind of just leaves Jalen Duran, Mark Williams, and Johnny Davis. So I don't know. I, I, I like the over over nine and a half too, because I don't I also don't think um like the Spurs or Pelicans or Blazers are gonna take him necessarily. The Spurs have like a lot of wing ish players that so they I do. could I could see them being somebody to maybe like surprises everybody and takes Jalen Duran if he's there or reaches a little bit and take Mark Williams at, at um at number nine, but so, I, I just think John, Johnny Davis might not. He probably he probably is going to go between nine and a half and thirteen, though. So I, I don't think he's going to be like, you know, he'll go like seventeen or something like that. So ESPN have Johnny Davis going tenth. Jeremy Wu has him going sixth. Um, Basketball News have him going ten as well. So there's two out of the three mocks that I looked at. Do support what you've said there. Um, okay, one we disagree on. We, we have we to go. come back. We have to revisit that one on draft night and see uh, see how who how it gets on. Right. right. Um. That was your next one, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. I'm gonna go next, and I think ones, I so. think you're gonna agree with me on this one, Chase. Mm-hmm. I, from just what I read from what you said there, Jeremy Sohan to be selected before Mark Williams. Which absolutely. Okay. Here we go. We're, that was that back, was one of the ones I had written sync. down. We're back there on the same page where we like to be. Um, Jeremy Sohan is like a rumored getting top 10 buzz. I, I think that could be a stretch. I think his over under actually Jeremy Sohan is 10 and a half, which I don't like, but I do like the added kind of flex of essentially of getting a few extra positions by saying get drafted before Mark Williams. I think the highest Mark Williams will probably go is, I don't know, Washington at 10. Whereas I think Sohan could be getting links like, sorry, looks as far up as like Portland at seven. Definitely New Orleans and the Spurs at eight and nine are like big, big Sohan teams. Like they, they fit really well. And if Mark Williams wasn't drafted at 10 by, by Washington, I think then you're probably, it's looking like he'll be there for Charlotte. Like everyone's seen the links to Charlotte. It kind of wouldn't surprise me if his agent was trying to get Mark Williams to Charlotte. Um and then you've got the edge of flexibility that Sohan could get selected at 11 or 12 as well by, by OKC or the Knicks. So that was one that I got. Again, it's not it's not a home run, but I, I, I quite like that one. No, I, def- I definitely like that one too. I agree. Like it's going to take a team reaching for Mark for him to go over Sohan um, yeah. much more so than it would be like Jeremy Sohan, like 
falling to 13 or something. Uh, I, I just, Jeremy, he, like, again, he's just a much higher upside prospect than, like, those guys tend to just go higher generally, even if it's, like, closer and they don't go where we thought they would. One guy gets picked a little higher than another. Like, it, it's just very, I feel like it's hard to imagine Jeremy Sohan not being, like, a top 11 or 12 pick at the very least. And Mark Williams, is <clears throat> his ra- draft range is fairly fairly capped around the top 10 because it's just not probable for him to go like seven or eight or something like that okay hit me with the next one all right so this is where well, we can stick on the topics of mark williams here so i i actually kind of included jalen duran in this one as well i like the over for draft position for both of them so for mark williams it is 12 and a half which conveniently would put him right in the lap of our Charlotte Hornets if uh, if that one hit. So I'll take that one. And then for Jalen Duren, uh, it's 10 and a half. I don't necessarily think that like both of these are going to hit because they probably won't if you were to pick both of them. But picking one of these, uh, depending on wh- which one the listener likes more, you know, what your gut feeling on Jalen Duren or Mark Williams or anything like that, um, go, go with one of those because I do think one of these bigs is going to fall like to Charlotte or like that range, which would, you know, that would, both of those bets would hit if either one of these guys were fell to 13 and got picked by Charlotte. So which one would you pick? I I think I agree with you here. It's down to personal preference, right? Like um, the same source earlier, who gave me some feedback on Jovic also gave me some feedback saying he really think Williams could be ahead of Durham right now. And I think Jeremy Wu said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which one would you like kind of, would you sway towards of those two picks? Uh, so, I mean, I would probably just go for Mark uh, with the over 12 and a half, just because the team, we like we've mentioned there, there's kind of like a finite number of teams inside the top 12 uh, that you can see picking like a, a rim protecting big that doesn't have like the same athletic uh, or like skill or ball skill upside that Jalen Duran has. Um, but I mean, I, I could see any going with Jalen Duran too. If, especially like what you said, like the, the NBA seems to be trending towards uh, preferring Mark Williams anyway. I, I definitely think that either one of these picks will hit. I would be very surprised if both of these guys go in the top 12. Did, did you see the photos from the Portland workout with Jalen Duran? No, I, I didn't. I saw the ones from uh, AJ Griffin. Um, oh my God, Chase, you need to go. As a, a perfectly heterosexual male, um Jalen oh, Duran. His, his, his shoulders are insane. Yeah, no, oh, he he's like one of the most biceps. Like, <laughs> he he's one of the most like built teenagers I've ever seen in my life. Like I've it's it's yeah. like almost unnatural how strong and tall and like just like filled out he is for how um, young he is. Like what is uh, like what happens when he's like 23? Like this that's that's just, a crazy like, thing. Is he gonna look like a like a rock'em sock'em robot? Like I don't it's 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 crazy how how big he like he's got to be one of the strongest players in the NBA already. Like, I know if, I, it's gonna like be exciting to watch. I think um, I, I went on a podcast and like I generally think he could be Dwight Howard two point which people be like, oh my god, like that, why is he not number one pick? Because Dwight Howard in this era, even in his prime, no, yeah, probably not. Like yeah. he just wouldn't be as effective as he was back in the day. So even if you were drafting Dwight Howard. You know, knowing what you're getting now, it's like, well, he can't shoot free throws. He probably struggled being in at the end of games, like very limited offense. But he'd probably be like a, a top six pick, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he just reminds me of Dwight Howard. Muscles on muscles. Like, it's just incredible. So, yeah, Jalen Duran, go check out the Portland Trailblazers workout photos if you haven't already. Um, okay, uh, my last one, because... You already, you, we already touched on. I actually had little over Jovic as well. We touched on the start. Um, this is one I don't feel great about, but on paper, I don't see why this is the case. But Agbaji to be drafted before Zhang. This was which, my last one too. Look at this. Which, this is yeah. perfect. So <laughs> that was that was the last one I had written down, and it was also the one I felt the least confident in because, like um, you said, it. it doesn't make sense for Usman Jang to be drafted ahead of O'Shea Baji if you just go. Yeah, he's off the favorite. Like mock draft knowledge. Yeah, exactly. This this it, thing it like was, it was yeah. On ESPN, he's Jang is due to go twelve, Agbaji fifteen. 
Uh, Jeremy Wu has Jen going 14 and Igbaji 17. So this is the only one, the only prop bet we've talked about so far where actually both ESPN and Sports Illustrated disagree with what we think, which is a little bit worrying, which is why I don't feel very secure about it. But if you look at the teams in that late lottery zone, you've got Charlotte need defense and wing players, I'd say. Like, could need, you could easily see them getting Obashi, need someone who's ready to play right now, which I think he is. You've got Cleveland, definitely need shooting and like perimeter defense. Obashi could fit there. You've then got straight after them, you've got the Atlanta Hawks, who, again, are trying everything to win right now. And I think between Charlotte, Cleveland, and the Hawks, you've got four picks there. I don't see any of those four picks really making sense for Usman Jeng. Like, those teams are all wanting to make the playoffs next year. And I don't mean just, like, the play-in. I'm talking about being top six. That is a goal for all of those teams. And I just don't see why Jeng helps you do that. And, yes, they could go Warriors-style, where they draft players to develop them while they're also trying to compete and bounce at the same time, like they did with Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman. But you're talking about the Hawks, the Cavs, and the Hornets, who are all desperate to like be postseason players. It's not the Warriors who are coming off yeah, three championships exactly. in the last yeah. decade and are like, oh, let's see how long we can string this thing out. These are just desperate to like get in. I know the Hawks made the conference finals, but but then had a real disappointing year this past year. So it just doesn't make sense to me that Agbaji couldn't go in that range. He's so NBA ready. He's so plug and play. Even like after that, you've got Houston at 17. Okay, definitely more of a Jeng area. But after that, you've got like, the Bulls and Minnesota, who probably similar position again, need players who can come in and impact right now. So I'm confused why Mox have Jen going so much further ahead of Abaji. I'm guessing it's just because they view him as a, a higher upside, superior prospect. But this is one where what the mocks say and what makes sense to me just seems to not, not compute. Yeah, I completely agree. Like U- Usman Jang might not be able to, really just play NBA minutes at all next year. Like he might be like a G league player mm-hmm. in the sense that like Kai Jones was for the Hornets last year. Like he just barely gets any meaningful minutes with his, the NBA team at all. And that's completely fine. Like that not, wouldn't be a case to not draft him or anything, but O'Shea Abaji, like it, it, he just is the perfect fit for any team. Cause the, the teams that are typically drafting in that range are trying to get better while also like not trying to draft uh, or like while also still trying to like acquire talent that is, you know, young and on the timeline of their young players and whatnot. And Abaji fits that, like fits that bill perfectly. Like I'm not super high on him. Like in general, I probably have him lower than most other people do, but like, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Hornets picked him just because that type of player would be very good for any sort of team that's trying to go from, the play into the playoff range. The only thing that worries me with that is a team trading with Cleveland, Charlotte, or Atlanta, giving up a vet and then getting the pick and, you know, them then using that on some like a rebuilding team trading up and those teams saying, we don't need another rookie. Like we don't think anyone here at 14, 15, 16 can help us. We want the vet and we'll give the pick to OKC and they can go draft Jen. Like that's the thing that I think worries me most with this. Um, but especially with it, you getting better odds on Abaji, like I, I think that makes sense. Agreed. Okay, I think that's our list of our top five. So in terms of your one hundred dollars, Chase, I've made some changes to mine as we've gone along here, and we've we've discussed things. I think I am going to do thirty dollars on Dyson Daniels over six and a half. I'm then going to do thirty dollars on Jeremy Sohan to be selected before Williams. I'm then going to do, I think, $20 on Davis before Griffin and $20 on Ogbaji before Jeng. So I'm I'm laying down the biggest money on Daniel Zaver, six and a half, Sohan drafted before Williams, then some lower bets on Davis to get drafted before Griffin. You you didn't convince me out of that one. I still think Johnny Davis is going higher and I like the injury outside chance he could slide for Griffin. And then for all the reasons you just said, Obaji going before Jeng and the better odds. So that's how I'm spending my, my hundred. How are you spending yours? All right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go big here with all mine. I'm, I'm not, I'm not splitting it up 
uh, too much. So we're going to go 25 on Abaji uh, ahead of Jang and the Johnny Davis over draft position. So, so wait, one of us will win that. <laughs> one, yeah, one of us is going to make some money here. So that definitely works out. Um, and then I'm going to do 20. I, I, don't, I don't know if this necessarily counts because it wasn't one specific bet. But I'm going to do 20 on the Mark Williams or Jalen Duren draft position over just, you know, a personal preference for which one is going to fall for whoever, anybody that would want to take that. So what am I at? 70 now? And I got, yeah, I got 30 left, and then I'll sprinkle uh, 15 each on my last two of the EJ Liddell drafted ahead of Jovic and Jalen Williams drafted ahead of Marjan Bochamp because those were the two that we kind of talked ourselves out of a little bit as we were going on. So those will be the small ones, but I feel confident about the, the first two. I will say this year when I was looking through the prop bets, and more will get released, and you get some really fun ones near draft time. Like, I don't know like five sec players selected in the first round. And that's really interesting when you try and chart it. Um, and there'll be, you'll get other player props, especially going into like the first round and into the second or like three players selected from Kentucky in the first round, stuff like that. Uh, so there will be more. I think we will touch on more of these maybe when we get closer to the draft and we get some more odds. The first lot that came out, I will say, I looked at them and I didn't go through and be like, oh yeah, there's guaranteed money here. Like, in previous years, I felt a lot stronger, but I also don't normally put my bets on until a little bit closer to the draft itself. But you do miss out on a lot of odds. Like I think James Booknight last year started at like minus 14 and a half. Like, and by draft night, he was, I think, minus eight and a half. So you can get those better odds now, uh, but you don't have the same intel. So there's, a, there's risk and reward there. If you, if you want big wins, pace your bets on now. If you want to, you know, try and get like five out of six, six out of seven, wait until closer to the draft, but just be aware you're going to, you're not going to win as much money. Okay. That should bring us to the close of our draft prop bet section. Uh, before we move on to our forward rankings, I just want to touch on uh, SIHornets.com, which if you don't know by now, it's, it's who the All Hornets Podcast Network are affiliated to. Um, all of our podcast hosts are various writers on there. Um, we've got a new mock draft version 2.0, which published in the last couple of days. Um, interestingly, in that mock draft, which I was kind of very much involved in and leading on, the Charlotte Hornets have Jalen Duran getting selected. Like you said, one of your ball bets. I had Jalen Duran sliding to 13, and I had a budgie going at 15 as well. So um, make sure you go check that out. Uh, we'll be posting probably two more mock drafts before the draft. Uh, we've also got some NBA draft prospect rankings on there, which depending when you listen to this will be updated soon, which is very exciting. Um, great place to go see all the different prospect rankings on there. So if you haven't checked it out already, make sure you go check out si.com forward slash NBA forward slash Hornets. All right. Now to move on to our positional rankings. Forwards. Um, this is our last section we're recording. I don't know what order we're going to release this in, but this is the last one we're recording. So we've already done guards, wings, and bigs. Um, I will say before we start, in the big section, we made a bit of a mistake and we included EJ Liddell in bigs because I changed my mind about if we were doing wings and forwards or if we're not, if we're just doing bigs. I changed my mind and I flip-flopped a couple of times. So in the bigs podcast, you will have heard we talked about EJ Liddell. Um We've now going to also cast CJ Liddell as a forward, but we're going to skip over him a little bit because hopefully you'll have already listened to the center podcast and you'll have heard some of our analysis on Liddell, but he is going to be included in the rankings just so you know where we have him. Um, we're going to keep the same format where we're going to do a little bit of a draft here. Um, I'm going to let you go first with a number one pick for our forward rankings chase. Who would you like to, who would you have as your, oh, and one thing Pat, before you pick, I also want to mention we are going to touch on Paolo and Jabari because they're right at the top of the draft. But what I don't want to do is spend 15 minutes talking about two guys who the Hornets, let's be honest, have no shot at. This is a Hornets draft show. This is not an NBA draft podcast. So we're going to talk about who we've got highest. And I'm pretty sure that we match up on both of those. And we're going to skip quickly past that and get onto some more of the kind of mid to late lottery guys who I think are a more achievable uh, range and spend some more time on that. So Chase, do you want to kick us off just with our with our top two forward rankings? Because we have the same rankings anyway. Tell the people what they are and why. 
All right, so our top two forwards are Jabari Smith and Paolo Boncaro. We James and I both have them ranked one and two uh, for the Hornets. Uh, I'll I'll do I'll do Jabari, and then you can do Paolo if you want, and we can we can split yeah. it up a little bit, nice and even. So, uh, and you can add to Jabari as well. But the reason that I have him number one is because he is just like a totally excellent shot making forward. He's six ten. He's not skinny. He's a really good two way player. Uh, he has like some elements of a wing skill set in a forward slash big uh, like front court player's body. Uh, he's not a great ball handler, obviously, but I think that that point has really been like belabored over the last couple months um, when really all that there has been to do is kind of just tear down from these number one prospects because they've been the three at the top of the draft for like six months now. Like we people aren't really we've we've said all the positive things that there are to say about Chet, Jabari and Paulo. And at this point, it's all become about what they can't do. But I still think that Jabari can do pretty much everything that you want out of like a scoring forward. Uh, he can shoot over people. He can face up. He can turn around. He can fade away. He has, has a little bit of a step back jumper. Uh, he can finish off drives and dump offs and post ups too. He's like a, he's a very good interior player. And I think he has a chance to defend like three through five in the NBA um, once he settles in there. So that's why I've got him number one. Um, anything that you'd want to add? And then if not, we can roll right into Paulo being number two. The only thing I'd is that I had Chet one for a lot of the year. And going back through some of the film, looking at how the playoffs are going, I made that switch to Jabari. Um, it wasn't a knee jerk. It was something that I, I wanted to consider. And I wanted to go through watching the clips, watching the tape, kind of try and make some projections. So, so no, nothing else to add. Uh, Paolo Bencaro, number three. I mean, most Hornets fans will know him playing right down the road to Duke. Um, Powell forward. Just great, like mid post isolation scorer, but also like probably one of the best passes in the draft, especially for someone with his size. The drag on him is his outside shot, not 100% clear if that's going to be if he's going to be a really good shooter, a bit of a flat shot, struggles with percentages a bit. Um, defense, a bit slow and ploddy on the perimeter, not a great athlete. I think that's the, the real concern there. But in terms of the scoring and the passing package, it's very good, it's just more on that, on that defensive end. Uh, but I, I think, honestly, I like Bancaro really close to Chet and Jabari. There's not a gulf at all. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Paolo ended up being the best player, you know, in a few years. Um, he really is quite similar to Jason Tatum in a lot of ways. And we are currently watching Jason Tatum potentially lead the Celtics to an NBA championship. So, um, yeah, really, really good number three. There's, there's no way Hornets are getting in that top three. Um, so let's move on now to... Mid lottery, probably down to like late first round. I think the rest of our, we're still going to do top five from here. So those two are not really counting. Chase, I'll give you the first pick here. Who would you like to pick to be your first forward off the board? All right. Uh, I am running to the the microphone here to get Jeremy Sohan. Um, beyond Jabari and Paulo, I think Sohan is easily the best fit for the Hornets roster. Uh, he does like a little or at least has potential to do a little bit of everything on offense, even though he might not have like one marketable skill on that end, really. Uh, but on defense, he is a great, really, really great defender. He's a good rebounder as well. Uh, he's probably. Yeah, I think I think he probably is the most switchable defender uh, in this class. Uh, one of the few guys that has potential to guard one through five in his NBA career, uh, especially in like the lottery range, probably along him and Tari Eason might be the only guys that have that, um, have that ability. And I just think that as time goes on, even if he's not good right away, like the type of player that he is like really isn't present on the Hornets roster. Like they don't have any super long switchable forward that can do a little bit on offense. And also like, he just plays with such an edge that like the, again, the Hornets really don't have anybody that like plays what, like What that. about PJ Washington? Cause I know what you're saying there, but you're talking about somebody who can play the four or the five. He can handle the ball and dribble handoff action. He, I think, well, I think Sohan can play like the three a little bit if he ends up actually being able to be a shooter. So I think, I think he just has a little bit more positional versatility um, than PJ does. Especially really going, like, going down, going down more. So, um, because mm. I don't think PJ, I, I disagree, PJ's, I lot, PJ's a lot slower than Jeremy Sohan, I think. Really? Interesting. Yeah, so, again, this so. is why it's good we do this. Like, 
I, I view Jeremy's like first step as a bit of a concern. Um, his athleticism isn't great. Um, I think he's more of like a four five than a three four. Um, and I, I don't think he'll be anywhere near the shooter that PJ is either. Um, I do think he is a better defender than PJ. Like I think Jeremy Sohan could be a an excellent defender in the NBA. Whereas I think PJ because has his moments, but is like can be quite foul prone. So, but if you're talking about like for me, you want a switchable four five who can you can go small ball with, and that's what you view Jeremy as. I think PJ is is that, but better offensively, but worse defensively. But it sounds like from what you're saying is you can put like Jeremy Sohan on, I don't know, Jason Tatum, and you think he can like guard him and try and like be like a better one-on-one defender? Yeah, not not now, but I think like an idealized version of Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy Sohan is basically that guy that you can play him any basically anywhere on any sort of like bigger wing or front court player and you can rely on him to just kind of go at that guy for all 48 minutes because and that that's the, and it's yeah. also like I think his, his mentality especially more so even more so than like the type of player he is on the court like his mentality there are not that many players on the Hornets that play like that with that much effort and intensity uh, on defense like for a whole game uh, and especially at, at like the the big positions, I think Cody Martin's probably the only guy that you could say that about right now. And you know, Cody Martin's not defending anybody that's taller than like six six or six seven, really. So I, th- I think that would be a, a very useful skill set. Okay, that would not have been my number one. Um, I'm probably going to take the guy who a lot of people are expecting to go number one, which is Keegan Murray uh, out of Iowa. Um, you know, it's and I, I have Sohan ranked higher on my big board than Keegan Murray anyway, so that might that might also influence that. I I know you do, and um, <laughs> it's I, I can see like I'm I'm not high on Keegan Murray. A lot of people are like five six prospect. I think I've got him like eight or nine. You've got him down at ten. Like we're we're both lower, but I think like I eleven think, or twelve. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've got him twelve. Okay. Um, like if you look at all the statistics, Keegan Murray is like the best forward in this draft class. Like even if you include like Paolo Bencaro, his, his numbers and his efficiency are incredible. His advanced stats are great. Big problem is he's just like going to be 22 years old when the next NBA season starts. And that's the big draw here, even though he's only a sophomore. He's not a great athlete. He's not quick. Um, he is long, but he's not overly massive. He's like a 6'8 forward with a decent wingspan. Um, he's just probably got the smartest basketball IQ, like attention to detail, scout and report feel makes the right play cleans up mistakes like he's just so intelligent and that's where his real skill is and but you you look around the nba you look at some of the best players in the starting five they normally have a a skill that they you know really great athletes and fantastic shooters i don't know if he projects to be any of those i just think it'll be a really good all-round player but um i think i've still got him as my top overall forward for those reasons i think he'll be able to shoot it i think he'll be able to rebound i think we'll play some small ball five um shot 40% this year essentially from three really came on late in the year um and despite being uh like a uh, 20 nearly 22 years old he was undrafted in high school uh so undrafted unranked in high school and has definitely been like a late developer i think when you have late developing players a lot of time the ceiling is really there um because they just come come on to things a little bit later than everyone else and they get in those environments around better trainers better players which they weren't uh, able to access before and now they can really improve as a player because they're getting a completely different development uh, atmosphere so i'm going keegan murray um would he even have been your next pick chase yes yeah he, he would have been my next one um after i picked sohan and i don't like not like keegan murray as a prospect i just really like yeah you did no, i'm not having this chase right if you have Keegan Murray ranked 12, I'm classifying you as not liking him as a prospect yeah. compared to the rest of... Well, yeah, that's well, probably true. Because yeah. no one else has him, like, very few people have him outside the top 10. I'm not saying you don't like the guy or the kid. Oh, but yeah. But as a prospect, compared to general consensus rankings, I would say you're a pretty big hater on Keegan Murray. Yeah, I guess that, that's probably fair. But I, I don't it. think he's going to, like... Yeah, I don't think he's going to, like, stink in the NBA or anything. I just no. think that the people above him just have like more upside and the reason that i think that is like you mentioned it a little bit like he's just not 
a very fast player. Like, and he also doesn't have like I. He was a very very good isolation scorer in college, uh, in the Big Ten that had a really finite number of future NBA defenders uh, playing in it <laughs> this year. Um, and I also just think that like what kind what kind of usage warrants. Like, or what kind of usage is he going to warrant as a player in the NBA? Whatever Al Horford's usage is. Because for me, that is his perfect role. See, I was going to say, he kind of seems like, like, take Gordon Hayward's, like, worst season of his career. Like, I feel like that might be, like, what Keegan Murray's, like, average year is. Because they kind of play similarly on offense. They're not really, like, bad at defense. But you wouldn't really say that they're, like, above average either. Uh, they're just like good for their size and are good at using their size in there. Uh, and they're both like kind of like three level scorers that can you can rely on to get a bucket whenever you want. But I just think that he's kind of like um, and I've, I think I've heard Tobias Harris as well, which I mean, that's, you know, fairly similar, I guess, to, to Gordon Hayward as well. Just more of like interior bound. Um, but he, maybe Keegan's like in the middle of those two in terms of his play style. But I just can't see him. I just don't think he's the type has like the type of on ball scoring gravity in the NBA that's going to warrant him ever reaching like 20 points per game or 22 points per game and or on high efficiency or something like that. But okay. but again, I don't, I think he'll play in the NBA for a while. So I mean, I think he's like a fine, finally draftable player in the in the lottery, just not like a top five pick or anything like that. All right, number three pick. Go ahead. Who you got ranked number three? All right. So this next one is also uh, pretty easy. And I, I, I'm looking at our rankings here. I think you probably would have made the same pick. Um, Tari Eason. So uh, much like Sohan, he is also like a very switchable, lanky uh, forward type that projects as like a very, very good defender um, with a, some room to grow on offense. Uh, but unlike Sohan, Tari Eason is actually – an efficient shooter like right now uh he shot 36 percent from three last season um he was uh, he was a pretty poor shooter his freshman year at cincinnati but that was he was a much lower usage and lower minute player there before he transferred to lsu and uh was like one of the underrated like best like high volume scorers in the country like he averaged 25 points per 36 uh and he was an efficient player from pretty much every area of the court and he did everything for, for LSU essentially while he was out there. Um, the reason I'm a little bit lower than him uh, on him than Sohan is because I don't think he's going to be as good of a passer or a ball handler um, in the NBA. He might be like slightly more athletic. And I think that is what um, might afford him more versatility to be like a five, I think, because he's also, he's like right now he it seems like he's a slightly, like stronger player or just generally like more forceful player on the interior than Sohan is. Um, but I also think that, I'm <clears throat> sorry. And I also think that when um, Tari is in the NBA, uh, he's not going to be a very good passer, even though he had some flashes of that at LSU. But I think a lot of it is just like really risky in a way that is not going to work out as often in the NBA without him being at least a fairly high turnover guy. Um, at first, but I would I would be pretty happy with Tari if the Hornets uh, ended up with him. I have him 14th right now, so I think he is a pretty good player. If someone can get Tari to play a team efficient system and buy into a role, I I really like Tari's potential. That, yeah, that's kind of that's I'm kind of worried about that too. I'm not sure like how that scales necessarily. He seems like yeah. a like a hard nosed player though that wouldn't necessarily mind that, but. And there was yeah, some reporting from Adam Spinella from the Box and One, um, who does a lot of draft videos and draft analysts as well. He's a college coach as well. Um, he essentially said that uh, he heard that Tari Easton hadn't been interviewing well with teams, um, not in terms of being like dislikable, but in terms of displaying basketball IQ. You know, and what they'll do with these players when they interview them is okay, draw up a play and out of timeout play. What would you do in this situation? Uh, read this bit of film, what could you have done differently? And that was always my worry was like his feel when I watched the tape and it's, it's still a concern. But like I say, if, if he can, if we can just channel things right and fall in the right situation, I think he's got a chance to shoot it. Like his three-point shooting, the, like the, 
the tough shots, some of the tough threes he made this year, he wasn't just like hitting open threes. Like he was taking some really tough ones and then his free throw shooting are really good indicators that he could shoot the ball in the NBA. Um, and to get someone who's that athletic, that long, mobile, and kind of defensively active, who can shoot the ball as well this late in the draft would be would be interesting. But I think he's a really high risk pick. Like I think it can go uh, one of two ways. Um, so I'm going to go next, number four. Now, I would probably pick EJ Liddell here normally. Um, and I, so I, I, let's take EJ Liddell. I don't want to break the rules here. We, we talked about him in the center podcast already. Um, we, we both oh, like him, I think, as a, as a top 20 pick. Um, mm. Good shooter, great rebounder, grew up like being a volleyball player. It's got like ridiculous athleticism for like his size and strength which showed off at the combine. I think he led in the max vert on the no standing vert. Um, and it's just like an all around high character guy. So I don't want to get too much more into EJ there, but I think we both have him in our top 20, I believe. Um, so, so yeah, that's, I'll take EJ Liddell. And uh, the, the wild card I almost threw out was Julian Champagne because I just wanted to have a chance to speak out him, but I, I'm going to stick to script here. I'm not going to go off piece and I'm going to let you finish this off with the fifth pick. All right, so I also am a Julian Champagne fan. I don't think I'm quite as high as him on, uh, or quite as high on him as you are, but I love a New York City scorer. So I'll de- I, I'm a, I will definitely support you on your Julius uh, Champagne campaign right here. But my the last pick for the forwards, I think, is going to be Jake Laravia. Um, he was kind of like more of an underground. Uh, like non-mainstream draft prospect for a lot of the year, but he was really good at Wake Forest. He's a stretch big with like a pretty strong frame, despite being like a little bit unathletic uh, and like uh, slower laterally. But he rebounds, he passes really well. Uh, he has 4.3 assists per 40. Uh, he shot 62% from two uh, while being a pretty good floor spacer from three as well. Uh, and when he transferred from Indiana State to Wake Forest, uh, he like upped his production and got a lot better, which kind of shows me that, you know, he what he was clearly an ACC player like throughout his college career. It was just a matter of opportunity. And I think he obviously made a good decision in you know his career path because now he's on the verge of being a potential first round pick, maybe even like in the higher 20s, depending on uh, like how much teams like him. But he seemed like he's just going to be like a very reliable like six seven eighth ninth player in an nba rotation for a while so my big range is just given there from six yeah well yeah i guess maybe probably not six but like seven seven eight nine would probably be better because uh six yeah probably looking for somebody a little bit more dynamic but like seven eight nine rotation member like back end of the bench but still somebody that plays reliable consistent minutes i could definitely see him being that type of player He's the worst rim protector of all the players that we've talked about. But yeah, is, definitely. But is by definitely also the best passer and like hub of playmaking control. Um, whether he can shoot it at the next level is key. Uh, he did shoot 38%, but he was on the lowest volume out of all these guys. Like he was only taking two threes per 36 minutes, which is under half of what like EJ Liddell was taking. So is that like why uh, someone of his mold, you think, why is he not getting up more three-point shots? He shot well from the free throw line, 78%. So that's generally a good indicator as well. Um, I, I know this is a Hornets podcast and, you know, he's probably going to go late 20s unless there's a trade back. I think it's unlikely, but he reminds me a little bit of like Josh McRoberts <laughs> when he was with the Bobcats. Like not yeah, as athletic, yeah. probably, but yeah, in that Josh role was like athletic, a yeah. playmaking, kind of stretched the floor a little bit. Um, and I actually love his fit in mock draft on over at sihornets.com. I've got him going to the Warriors because I just think in that system with all the back cuts, uh, playing with someone like Steph, um, like he would just be awesome in that system and his fit would be great. And he can actually move pretty well for like like a six eight white guy who's not a great athlete. He can actually move pretty well on the perimeter, uh, which I think a lot of people don't don't necessarily realize. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't mind the Jake LaRaver. I'm not quite as high, but I, I don't mind that ranking at all. So would you have picked um, Julian Champagne like over Jake Laravia? Would that have been your your next one? I I would 
I would. Because um, there, there's I, one guy I think here that, you know, is he started the year much higher, but now obviously could be available for those Hornets picks. And, you know, Pat Baldwin. Is, Pat Baldwin. Yeah. I'm, he's, but he, he, it's a tough, it's a tough one. I know. I, I just like the defense so much more with Julian Champagne than Pat Baldwin. That's, that's my problem. Like, it's that. Uh, they're both, I view them as like off-ball sh- floor spaces, essentially what they do, but I think one of them can defend them. I'm not sold, Pat Baldwin can. So, yeah, I probably still would have gone with Julian Champagne there. I think I would have taken Pat Baldwin. I started the year really, really high on him. He was probably he was in my top 10, like, at the very, very outset of the year before, you know, everything started going downhill with Milwaukee. But uh, I, I would probably have to take Baldwin before Champagne, just because I think if they're both idealized, Baldwin's shooting is probably just going to be able to surpass anything that he might lack in other areas um, just because he'll be such a good shooter at six foot 10. Um, but I, I do, I do like um, Julian Champagne quite a bit as probably more than most other people as well. I have him at he's going, he's you going have, you have him in the first places. round, right? Yeah. I have him late first. Um, I, I think yeah. I tweeted out like next time I do a big board update, I need to have Julian Champagne in the first round because yeah, I yeah. just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I know he didn't shoot great percentages, but you look, you watch the film and he is a better shooter than he showed. He was just like some poor shot selection, which I just don't think is going to be a problem in the NBA because he's just not going to take those shots. Um, yeah, I, I yeah re- right. He's not going to be playing for St. John's in the NBA. So that, <laughs> exactly. that won't be a problem. Um, okay. Well, Chase, that wraps up our positional rankings for the 2022 draft. Um this is by no means the end of the draft trade podcast. We have two weeks until the draft. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. We're going to be doing a mock draft pod. We're going to be looking at some draft trades. We've got to go through some second round sleepers. There's there's still a lot for us to cover here. And we'll probably also do an episode looking at how the Hornets head coach selection might potentially affect things as well. So looking forward to chatting more things draft over the next couple of weeks. Um, also worth mentioning, we will be doing a live draft podcast of sorts, which will be a lot of fun. I know it was last year, so we'll be doing that. Maybe live streamed, may not. Don't know. We're going to see how it goes. Uh, but there's lots of things coming up on the Hornets Draft Show to, to keep an eye on. So, uh, Chase, thanks a lot for hopping on to me today. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to get back on here. Draft season is upon us. It is. All right, let's do it. See you in a bit. Thanks for listening.